welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Well, we've we've almost made it to the end of, of 2020. What's that? Did I did I just hear a cheer go up across the land? You bet. I, I think my my great fear is that um, we're gonna wake up on December 32nd, 2020, and that this is the year that never will end. But uh, but it's been it's been quite the year. I mean, who would have guessed at the beginning of the year that things like murder hornets and burning continents and locusts across northern Af- northern Africa and cities burning down and and under under protest. All of that would have been buried on page 12 behind the never-ending reports on COVID-19. Uh, to say that the 2020 has been a difficult year is a massive understatement. Um, and for many, I would say 2020 has been the, the most difficult year in our lives up to this point. Uh, between, between COVID itself and then the lockdown and all the, the pressures from that lockdown uh, resulting in the social isol- isolation, along with just everything else that life normally brings our ways. You know, all the the normal health issues or uh, loss of loved ones or uh, just the, the, the continual struggles that we generally have or even just being haunted from memories and shame from, from our past. Overall, for many, it's not been, not been a good year. Uh, it's been a year that we like to forget, but that's not likely going to happen anytime soon. Uh, but but just think about how, even how the phrase 2020 is now being used. I mean, used to be when we talk about 2020, we're talking about having 2020 vision and hindsight. And that was a good thing, that, that you would see things in a positive way. Now, when we use the phrase 2020, it's very different, right? So, for example, everything was going great, everything was wonderful, and then suddenly it went 2020 on me. And so 2020 now has become a bit of a, a, a slur, a bit of a, a bad thing to use. And so as we as we close out the year, and this being our final Sunday of the year, I thought it would be a good idea to, to take a break from Ephesians and just sort of have a moment to kind of reflect and, and kind of pause, because that's what we normally do around this time of year, right? We kind of reflect on what the year has been and look forward to the year that's coming. And so I... I got a couple questions for you guys, and so if you can, if you're willing to do that, you can comment in the in the Facebook chat group there. Uh, but but the two questions I have: one is, what's been the most difficult thing for you in 2020? And the other question is, what's been what's been the best thing for you in 2020? So for me, the 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 most difficult thing has, has clearly been the inability to gather with friends and family. Uh, that that's been the hardest thing. I mean, there's been other hard things. I, I felt like I've been you know, running ever since March, just dealing with all the, what it means to be under lockdown, both, uh, you know, leading a church as well as, as leading a, a counseling ministry. But the inability just to easily get together with, with you guys, to get together with friends and family, having, uh, you know, that's made it really difficult. Because I know for me, I've had all these great ideas like, oh, we should do this, we should do that. And then all of a sudden uh, you get like a slap in the face remembering, oh, but we can't. Oh, but, you know, the restrictions mean this. And and so that's been really hard for me. As for what's been great about 2020, 
you know, I struggled with this one. I, I had to think a little bit on this one, but I would I, I would say to me the, the greatest thing that I've enjoyed about this year is is watching people step up, watching people uh, reach out in love towards other people. And I, I would say that I see that, you know, with you guys at New Life, but I also got to see it watching the staff at Crossways to Life, watching people like Peter and Sue and Will and now Sheila just love on people um, in, in the counseling office each and every day. Uh, that was really exciting for me to watch. So that was really good. But uh, but overall, like most people, I'd say 2020 has been a very difficult year. And and it's frayed away at the edges of my soul in, in many ways. And so things like discouragement and dismay, uh, anxiety, frustration, uh, feeling overwhelmed, uh, even anger at times, all of that has just been sort of you know, either at the door or just sort of knocking at the door or, you know, more likely scratching like nails on a chalkboard kind of sounds, trying to overtake my soul. And uh, and so the question is, well, what do we do with these kinds of feelings? What do we do when, when we're struggling with all of that that's going on? Because the reality is, you know, come December 32nd, I'm not kidding, come January 1st, it's not like this is magically all going to go away. And, uh, and so what do we do then when we're struggling? What do we do in these kinds of moments? And so thankfully, what we are blessed with are many Psalms in the book of the, in the Bible written by countless people who've experienced similar or even worse things in their own lives. And what they've done is they've shared their hearts with us. They've been able to show us what it means to, to experience grief and sadness or joy and pleasure. And, and we can look to them and see how did they get through it? How did God put them on solid footing, knowing that he wants to do something similar for you and I so that we can't, we won't be overtaken with the sadness and, and the grief that we're all experiencing? So let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to look at one psalm in particular, Psalm 31. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, um, we thank you that although we can't gather in person, we can, we can still gather online and that we're able to connect with one another. And so thank you for that opportunity, Jesus. And I, I pray this morning as we, we open up your word that we would hear from you ultimately, that you would be the source of hope that we also desperately need in this time. So we look forward to what you're gonna do. We're asking you to be the teacher and to, to make your word alive to us because what we need, we need you and we need your life. In your name we pray, amen. Well, the book of Psalms, that's in the Old Testament. And some, they kind of look at the Old Testament now and, and they sort of see it's out of date. It's, 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 it's no longer uh, applicable, that it's been replaced by the New Testament and therefore we, we can set the Old Testament aside. And, and the reality is there's so much we can still learn from the Old Testament. Yes, we need to understand that there's a new covenant and we need to, to read the Old Testament understanding the, the difference between the Old and the New Covenant, but in the Old Testament, we have countless stories, countless examples of men and women going through life. And the reality is the human condition hasn't changed. People are still people, and the, and the struggles that people face are still the same. And, and we can learn from these people's experiences as they've gone through life and they've learned to trust God in, in terms of what that means for you and I. And, and so I think there's great value in reading the Old Testament. Remember what Paul said, that all Scripture is profitable. And he was, at that time, all he had was the Old Testament. And so clearly the Old Testament has a place and has, has great value for you and I, even today. And, and I think in particular, the book of Psalms is so great, especially when we're struggling. 
Because in the book of Psalms, we, we see all kinds of emotions being written. You know, there are Psalms that were written in the midst of fear, in, in Psalms written in the midst of anger and bitterness, Psalms written in the midst of jealousy, and, and some even in, in excitement and so forth. So there's all kinds of great Psalms there. And, and I, I encourage people to read those Psalms and find one that connects to you. Find one that, that ministers to you and what you're feeling in that moment. Because what you're gonna do is, is you're, A, you'll find some someone that can say, I get you. I see what you're going through and I've gone through something similar. And, and you'll be able to relate to it in that sense. And in another way also, you'll be able to put words to what you're feeling, but more importantly, you'll see how did they get through it? How did they turn to God and what did God say to them and encourage them? And so that's what I, I want us to look at this morning. So we're gonna look at Psalm 31. So if you got your Bible, open up to Psalm 31 and uh, we're gonna focus on this one. And, and what caught my eye, because I was looking at a few different Psalms uh, for this morning, but what caught my eye about this one in particular was, was what my Bible called it. So my Bible has added a title for it, meaning that it wasn't you know the title that wasn't given by the writer of the Psalm, but the, the translators, they've added a title. And I thought this one was kind of funny because it's called A Complaint in Praise. And, you know... That that's pretty appropriate, I would say, for for 2020 in, in in many ways. So I thought this would be a great psalm to to go through. So some of the context or the background of the psalm, as we know, it's written by David. We don't know the specific circumstances that he was under while he wrote the psalm, but he wrote it as a song, meaning it was meant to be sung. Don't worry, Peter. I'm not going to sing the psalm, so he can relax. I don't have Matt EQing me. Uh, maybe, maybe no, even Matt EQing me, he's super powered, but he can't, he can't fix my voice. So anyway, so David wrote it and, and David, uh, what do we know about David? David was a shepherd for, you know, when he was a young boy and, and he had defend his flock, uh, many a time from, from wild animals. He fought off lions and bears. Uh, he, for a time in his life for about 12 to 15 years, they, they, uh, they imagine or they, they surmise that he was on the run from King Saul after uh, Saul was feeling threatened by David. Um, his own men even turned on David at one point during that time because of, of his leadership. And then obviously the, the famous failure that David had with Bathsheba and Uriah, the constant threat that Israel was under while he was king due to his neighbors. Uh, and then finally, towards the end of his life, the betrayal he had from his son Absalom, who not only killed most of his own sons, David's sons, but then eventually led a, a palace coup and took the crown from David. And, and the people of Israel rejected David for a time as well. Um, until Absalom died um, in battle when his hair, his long flowing locks got caught up in branches. And no, the irony is not lost on me, but my answer to that is he should have wore a man bun and everything would be okay. So anyway, so that's, that's our, you know, the writer and David wrote all this. And, and this Psalm in particular has been influential influential to many other people and uh, other writers in the Old Testament. So for example, Jeremiah and Jonah, they, they borrowed some of the imagery that David used when he, when he wrote this psalm, uh, describing the difficult circumstances that they were under. Uh, even Jesus himself quoted this psalm in verse five there, where it talks about, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus quoted that psalm while he was on the cross. And, and so this is a, a roller coaster of emotions that the psalm goes through ups and downs and and not just in a in a flowing arc it's it's just it's like a roller coaster it's up and down although you could argue that felt 2020 felt more like just one of those drops but um but i think there's something in this psalm for every one of us regardless of what your year was like 
So we're not gonna we're not gonna go through the whole psalm verse by verse. Instead, we're gonna focus on just some key key parts of it. So again, this psalm is is a song, and and much of it is David singing to God, and he begins the the psalm declaring his loyalty to God, declaring his trust in God that God will rescue him in this time of need that he's going through. But that doesn't mean that the whole psalm is, you know, everything's wonderful and everything's rosy. Uh, there's a great section in this psalm where, where David outlines some of the struggles that he's going through, uh, some of the, the hardship he's going through. And that's what's so great about uh, the psalms, but David in particular, he's, he's so honest in his writing. And so he's, he's crying out to God, not in a, a time of peace and comfort. He's not writing this psalm when everything's wonderful and the battle's been won. He's writing in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his despair. And, and so I think that's why what makes this psalm in particular so wonderful, so great and encouraging for us. Because it reminds us that it's okay to struggle. It's okay that things aren't going well. It's okay that you don't always feel happy and joyful. In fact, I, I get suspicious of people that never have a bad day because that tells me that they're not being honest, that they're only wearing a mask, and I, I don't really know who the real them is. Even when they are happy and joyful, is that just the mask? And so we're not always doing great. We're not always doing okay. And, and I have permission, even though I'm a Christian, I have permission because I can see it throughout the writers of, the, of both the Old and New Testament that they struggled at times as well. So in verse nine, uh, David writes this. He says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also. I hear the words distress and struggle and grief. Isn't that a great description of what so many of us have been going through in 2020? I mean, some people I know, they're struggling just to get out of bed every morning due to the weight of 2020 and, and, the, and what it means or, or what, what they're missing out on, what it doesn't mean for them. And, and so this, this stress, this struggle, this, this difficult time they're going through. And, and David's talking about how the, the light is gone from his eyes. And, and so we're, we're getting some insight in terms of there's no joy, there's no comfort, there's no happiness, there's nothing to look forward to, there's no, there's no lightness in his heart, there's despair, there's depression. And, and then talking about here is even his, his body wasting away. So there's this rapid aging of the body. Am I, am I the only one that's noticed a sharp decline in their physical health this last, last year? I mean, it's just, I, I have so much more aches and pains and loss of flexibility and, and, and things have just gone downhill so quickly this year um, with, with all that's happened in 2020. But he starts off that verse with, with a plea to God of, God, be gracious to me. This idea of being gracious is the idea that he's asking God, who is much greater, much higher, to reach down to help someone who's been laid low. And, and when you're struggling, that's what you need, right? That, that you need someone who's in much better shape to, to reach down, to stoop, to help you. And to offer, offer kindness and favor, and not because you deserve it, not because you can offer something in return, because the reality is you can't. And so that's his plea out to God is be gracious to me. And that's what we're going to be able to do as well, as we'll see. Goes on in verse 10. 
Verse 10, he says, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength has failed because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. Again, you can hear the depression and, and the despair and the sorrow and the grief and the sadness. I mean, maybe, maybe we could say that just my year of 2020 has been filled with sighing. Again, keep in mind who's writing this. This is the mighty warrior David. The, the one who wrestled with lions and bears, the, the one who, who is, you know, slayed Goliath, and the one who, when he went out to war, would kill his tens of thousands, where, where he and his mighty men of just a few people, they would face down whole armies together. I mean, he was a mighty warrior, and he talks about how his body's just wasted away because of the stress and the sadness and the grief and the distress he's under. And then in verse 11, he says, because of all my adversaries, I've become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances, to those who see me in the street, flee from me. Remember, remember the beginning of the pandemic, you know, the, the, what was being said, what was being, being, you know, the general attitude that we were all feeling, we're all in this together. Right, that we're we're gonna get through this together, and we're gonna support one another, checking on your neighbors and so forth, and and help out one another, and that's how we started in in March and April, and then and then somewhere, something changed, and 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 we became more and more divided. We we became divided on, and it wasn't just our politics, and although that was divisive enough, but but we became you know divided on in terms of what was the right opinion on how we interpret the number of new cases. What was the right opinion based on masks, and and so camps were set up around masks, and 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 you know judgments were made on on what you thought about vaccines, and and you know there were just opinions on that, and, and we became very very divided. And, and then it became, well, we need to cancel certain people if they don't have the right opinion on certain things. And, and you need to be very dogmatic about certain beliefs and, and say the right things. And, and, and the problem was those beliefs and what was needed to be said was like shifting like sand on the beach. And, and then it became now where, where now you, you rat out on your neighbor if they're not behaving the right way. And, and so we've lost this idea that we're all in it together. And now there's, there's great animosity and division um, about what's going on just in our own neighborhoods. And, and so you can see that, you know, David was experiencing that. Even his own neighbors saw him with reproach. And again, it's not like one side's better than the other. I just see so much animosity going back and forth from each side because there's sides in general. Verse 12, David goes on, I'm a forgotten as a dead man, out of mind. I'm like a broken vessel. I mean, he's saying, like, does anyone see me? Does, does anyone, does anyone know that I'm struggling? I'm 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 so broken. This, this idea here that I'm 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 hopeless and I'm lost. And I don't know if I can get put back together again. The sense of, of loneliness the sense of isolation, that, that no one even sees me and my struggles because I'm so alone and isolated. And, and I think that's, that's probably been the biggest impact of 2020 is just the isolation that people feel and, and the reminder that we're, we're not made, we're not built to live this, this life alone. We're not, we're not designed to live 
in this social isolation that we're all in. And then verse 13, it says, For I've heard the slander of many. Terror is on every side. While they took counsel together against me, they schemed to take away my life. No matter where I turned, I could not find any hope, David's saying. I was alone, I was isolated, I was feeling attacked. They were conspiring against me. And at times, I know I felt like that, that it just feels like people don't care and they're, they're more interested in, in this or that and, and, and they just, just overwhelm me. It's, it's, been, it's been a difficult year for many and, and David was going through his own struggles. And again, I don't, I don't know if he wrote this when, when his son Absalom usurped the throne. I don't know if he wrote this um, because of what happened with David, with Bathsheba and Uriah, or, or later on in life when he took a census when God told him not to. I don't know when he wrote this, but he's struggling. He's struggling like you and I are. But thankfully, that's, that's not the end of the psalm. Far, far from it, there's more to come. In verse 14, everything begins to switch. Everything begins to hinge. And it all starts with one word. But it, it might be the, the most powerful three-letter word in the English language because everything begins to turn. We've, we've hit the low point of the roller coaster and we're starting to now change direction. And, and so while we commend David in his honesty and his struggles, David goes further in his honesty. We need to recognize the honesty that he's going on because the reality is there's more truth than just what he said in verses 9 to 13. While what he's feeling is real and it's and it's heavy and we're acknowledging that and we're thankful for that, it's it's not the entire story. It's not even half the story. There's so much more going on here, and, and we need to put that on the table and recognize it. And I think that's important to understand that we're not trying to sugarcoat anything, we're not trying to gloss over anything, we're just trying to see a fuller picture of what's happening. And that's what verse 14 is. And so in verse 14, he says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say to you, you are my God. In, in essence, what David is saying here is he's like, I've got all this trouble. I've got all this sorrow over here. And it's not small and it's not trivial by any means. It, it, it's, it's wearing me down. It's wearing me out. And, and I've got that over here. But over here, I've got God. And, and I've got God with me and, he, and he, he's on my side. And I've got a God who's promised to care for me. I've got a God who's promised to love me. I've got a God who's, who's never going to abandon me. He's never going to forsake me, but he's promised to provide and protect me. I've, I've got a God who's bigger than all my problems. I've got a God who's bigger than all of my struggles. So he's remembering that. In verse, verse 16, he goes on, he says, and make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. This word loving kindness, it, in, in Hebrew, it's the word hesed. And every time you see the word loving kindness in the, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you, something should flip in your mind, like a flag should go up because this is such, a, such an incredible word here. They've translated loving kindness because they didn't really know how to translate it really. Because the word has said is, is a covenant word. It, it, it's legal language. 
it's sort of like, you know, um, you know, what, if this were a legal document, in many ways, the, the old covenant is, it's, it's a book of covenants, but if it's a legal document, it's a legal word, it's legalese. And so it's a covenant word and it, and it means so much. It's got so much power to it. And so whenever the writer uses this word loving kindness, he's falling back on a covenant. He's, he's invoking a covenant that God has, has made with that person or his people. And, and it's really hard to overstate the significance of what it means for you and I to be in a covenant relationship with God. It's so critical. One, one of these days, we're going to spend a lot of time going into greater detail and understanding covenant and, and what it means to be in a covenant with God. But, but please understand this. We simplify it when we say covenants are like contracts. It's not true. It doesn't even begin to really display the significance of covenants because, see, co contracts, they're, they're so easily broken. The, you know, people find ways out of them. They ignore them. They rewrite them. They change them and so forth. That's, that's not the way the, the covenants work. Covenants are, are, are guarantees. Covenants are ironclad. You don't, you don't get out of a covenant. That's not how it works, especially blood covenants. I mean, the only way out of a, gut, blood, out of a blood covenant is death. And, and if you break it, then death will follow. It, that's how significant they are. And, and what's happened here about this covenant that God's made with us is God didn't have to make a covenant with us. I mean, for God, his yes should have been enough, and it would be enough. But he chose to enter into covenant with you and I. He chose to enter covenant with David to give us assurance. It was so that we would know how, how safe and secure we really are that we would have this guarantee, that we would have this knowledge that we're okay, that we're safe in God. And what's beautiful about this, and this is why they translate it as a loving kindness, this word has said, is because it's a unilateral covenant, meaning it's not a covenant made between equals. You know, when, when I entered into covenant with joy, when we got married, that's a covenant of equals, but the covenant that God's made with us is an unequal covenant. It's a unilateral covenant, meaning that it's God reaching down and blessing us. Remember that word that David invoked, be gracious to me. It's this idea that this, this all-powerful God, who doesn't need man, chooses to reach down, to stoop, and offer his loving kindness, offer his mercy, offer his love to you and I in our mess. And, and so that's what he's offered to us. It's summarized in a great verse, like, like Isaiah 41 and verse 10, where, where, where God says, do not fear. Do not anxiously look around you, for I am your God. He's, he's taking ownership. Look, this is, this is who I am, and this is what I will do. I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will help you. It's all about God and what he's doing. That's, that's the nature of it. The, the only question for you and I is, do we invoke the covenant? Do we apply the covenant and all the privileges that we get along this covenant? That's the issue here. And, and so that's what David's going to do. And so what does, that, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like then to invoke or apply the covenant or the privileges of the covenant? Well, I think, I think we can follow the pattern that David follows in this psalm. So let's read beginning verse 18. We're going to read uh, 18 to 21. Listen to what he says. 
He says, let the lying lips be mute. So it's just silence everyone who's slandering me. Silence all the attacks against me. Silence the voice of shame even. The memories of all my failures in my past. Let all that go quiet. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and contempt. How great is your goodness. Again, he's speaking to God. He's singing this to God. Which you have stored up for those who fear you. Which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. You know, David probably wasn't in a lockdown, but he was going through some kind of a siege, some kind of a distress. And, and you and I, we might feel like we're in a besieged city right now. We, we might feel like we're just in a besieged world. Again, maybe, maybe even COVID is not your biggest problem. Maybe you're struggling with health issues. Maybe you got relationship issues that, that COVID's exposed. Maybe you're struggling with the shame of your past and, and the failures and the things that were done to you. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with sin and addiction through this time. Maybe you got broken relationships. I, I, know, I know in our fellowship, people are struggling with each and every one of those things. We're struggling with more. Maybe it's loneliness and the isolation and this depression. There's so many things that, that we could be going through and we're feeling like we're besieged. But what David's doing here in praising God, it's almost like he's telling himself. He's reminding himself of who God is. He's reminding himself of God's character. He's reminding himself of God's goodness and his faithfulness. And it's like he, he's trying to switch his focus away from what's besieging him in this distress onto who God is. Not, not to ignore the problem. I, I think that's really important. We're not trying to just wallpaper over, gloss over the problems. He's trying to say this is real. But so is God. God is real too. And his strength and his power is real. And it's greater than whatever I'm struggling with. It's greater than whatever I'm going through. And so it's really important to, to begin to shift our focus and invite God into it. To, to remember is that, that one saint said, for this, I have Jesus. That's essentially what he's telling himself. For this struggle, I'm not ignoring it, but I'm inviting God into the struggle because I know that God in me and God with me is greater than the distress that I'm going through. And so he's, he's telling himself that. He's reminding himself of that. Now, I remember I said that this is a roller coaster of a psalm. And, and so we, you know, he starts off having a great time, you know, celebrating and declaring his loyalty to God. And then he had it, you know, going down in, in verses 9 to 13. And then he's up. And, well, he's going to go down a little bit towards the end of the psalm here. And so in verse 22, it takes a short dip. Because, you see, just telling ourselves the truth doesn't make everything go away. It doesn't make everything, everything wonderful and fine right away. The, the storm is still real and it's still present. The voices are still loud. The struggle is still strong. And so he says in verse 22, he says, As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off 
from before your eyes. Again, David's so honest and real, but, but hear the emotion in these words. Alarm. Cut off before your eyes. Look what he's saying. He says, I'm not just feeling alone and isolated from my neighbors, these, these people who've become my adversaries, the people who are slandering me, people who are attacking me, the people who are ratting me out. Because I'm not just alone. I'm not just struggling with the, the pressures of this world. He says, I, I, I even struggle with this idea that, that God doesn't care. That even, even God doesn't see me anymore. That I really am all alone because God's silent. And he, he feels that too. And, and I know you at times feel that. I feel that at times. Where you, you cry out to God and you say, God, here's the problem. What, what are you going to do? What do you say? And it, and it feels quiet. And it's hard. It really is. But it doesn't mean that God's ignoring you. See, see look at the last half of that verse says. It, it, it says that although it feels like I am cut off from before your, your eyes, nevertheless, you heard my voice. You heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. You, you heard me. Because you're listening. You're present. You're with me. You're in me. And you care. You really do care. And David's recognizing that. Again, the feelings don't change right away. But the feelings don't dictate what's real. The feelings don't dictate what's truth. He, instead, he says, you, you're hearing me. You care about what's, what's, what's being said. And that's really important because our emotions aren't always going to line up with what's true. That's because the, the emotions aren't about what's true or not. And, and it's important not to get lost in those emotions. It's important to recognize them, to acknowledge them, but then keep moving forward towards God, to keep moving forward and trusting Him. And, and, and quite frankly, that is, that's the only thing that's gotten me through this year. It's the only thing that's allowed me to, to keep moving forward is, is trusting God that He's here, He's listening, He's caring, and He's got a plan. And so I... We keep looking to him. We keep crying out to him. We keep talking to him and we keep making space to listen to him. And, and when we're ready, he will speak to us. He will lead us. Well, how, do we, how do we apply this? Well, thankfully, it's applied for us in the passage. You see, the first 22 verses here is this song that, that David's been singing towards God. But now the last two, two, two verses here of the song, of the psalm, you know, David turns to his readers. He turns to his audience. He turns to you and I. And so like an actor who's sort of break, broken the fourth wall now and he turns to the camera and he speaks directly to the audience, that's what David's doing to you and me. He's, he's now been singing to God and now he turns to you and me. And he offers us these words. He says, verse 23, Oh, love the Lord, all you, his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful and fully recompenses the proud doer. The proud doer basically is meaning the courageous ones. He, he rewards the courageous ones. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Be strong. It, it's, it's 
take hold of this strength. We're gonna, in, in a few you know, months, years, I don't know, whenever we get to Ephesians 6, we're gonna see this idea here about you know, putting on the armor of God and standing firm. And, and that's this idea here, be strong. It, it's not just go find this strength. You've got the strength already. It's, it's the strength that God gives us. It's being strong in him. And so be strong and let your heart be, be encouraged. Let your heart find that strength because it's struggling. He knows that. But we can find that strength. We can find what we need in him. All you who hope in the Lord. And I think that's what, that's what we need going forward. We need hope. This word hope could, could actually be translated as wait. And we, we saw what a great message Robin gave last week and talking about waiting with God and, and what it means. And this is the same idea here. Because you're going to discover really that really the application is the same every week. It's, it's wait on God. It's hope in God. It's trust in God. That's what we need to do. And, and so what we, we see here, this, this hope or this wait, it's, it's a little bit different than a general wait. It's, it's got this hopeful expectancy. It's got this, this, this knowledge that something good is coming. And, and so what we get to hope is not that 2021 is going to be better. I'm hearing a lot of people, they're just, I hope 21 will be better than 20. And, and I hope so, but that's not where our hope is. Our hope is not in the vaccines. Our, our hope is not in having less case numbers. Our hope is in not in having a lighter lockdown or that somehow life will get back to normal and, and the jobs will return and, and everything will be fine. That's, that's not what our hope is based in. You see, while I believe that, that 2020 has been probably the most difficult year in most of our lifetimes, I, I don't believe it will be the most difficult by the end of your life. And what I mean by that is I, I think that there are more difficult years to come. I think that, that mistrust and division will only increase, that the hearts of this world will grow colder, that there will be more, more pandemics and more wars and rumors of wars and, and more environmental crises, more, more financial crises. There will be more problems because that's what Jesus tells us. That, that what we're going through are the, the birth pangs before the great travail, the great tribulations that are to come. And, and I think that what we're going through really in 2020 has been God preparing us for what's to come. I'm not trying to sound all, you know, doom and gloom and, and you know, that sort of, you know, negative, you know, prophet sort of idea here. But, but I do believe that, you know, reading scripture, that more difficult years are to come. And that likely this generation will face them. And, and I think that God's training us through this year to develop a trust in him, a strength in him, so that we'll be ready to face those difficult years that are come. It's akin to the, the Braxton Hick contractions that a pregnant lady goes through before the actual labor happens. Those, those little contractions that become more significant contractions as, as you get closer to that day are strengthening the muscles to prepare her to endure that time, that struggle. And I think that's what 2020 has been. And so our hope is not in our circumstances. Instead, our hope is in Jesus, that he is enough, that no matter what we face, we never face it alone. 
We face it in him and with him. That he will provide us to us what we need in that moment, whether it be the courage, whether it be the strength, whether it be the, the joy, whether it be the, pace, the peace, or even the comfort to endure anything. Because Jesus in you can do all things. For, so whatever we're going through, for this we have Jesus. That's where our hope is found. And so as we look forward to 2021, don't, don't get sucked into the circumstances because they will overwhelm you because they're not always going to be pleasant. They're not always going to be good. Instead, keep your eyes on Jesus. Turn to him. Sing praises towards him and remind yourself of what we have in him because with him we can endure everything. We can go through everything. As I, as I close, I, I want to I want to share an illustration, I think, that to me is a great picture of this. And it's, it's a well-known story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were Daniel's three friends when Israel was taken into captivity. And if, if you remember their story, they, uh, they wouldn't bow down to, to the idol, to the, to the big uh, tower that was developed or, or a statue of, of the king of Babylon. And they refused to worship it because they only had one God. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, he liked these three guys, and so he wanted to give them another chance, and they said, don't bother, because we'll never bow down. We'll only worship one true God. And Nebuchadnezzar knew that, you know, the result of not worshiping that, that, that statue was you're going to get thrown into a fiery furnace. And they said, we don't, we don't care. We don't care because we know, we know that our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. That to me is such such incredible declaration of faith to say that even if, even if we don't get rescued from the fire, we're still going to trust in God. So sure enough, the three of them got thrown into the fire. And it was so hot, it was so intense, that fireballs, the heat coming off of that was enough to consume anyone around it. And yet when they looked into the fire, they saw four people. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Jesus. See, God didn't abandon them. He was in the fire with them. As the song says, there was another in the fire. And whatever 2021 20, holds for you and I, we have another in the fire. We have someone with us that will get us through. And so that's what we can trust. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you. We thank you that you know what the future holds. You know what, what the next year entails and whether it'll be better or worse than this year. But whether it's better or worse is, is really irrelevant to us because we have you. And, and with you, we have hope. With you, we have everything we need. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will remind us, especially in those times of distress, of feeling lonely and isolated, feeling overwhelmed and despairing, would you remind us of what we got in you? Would, you? would you speak to our heart in a way that silences the voice of shame, that silences that voice of, of despair, and that we would trust you? We would lean into you and take what is ours, what is what belongs to us by right of this new covenant we have in you and with you. A covenant that you have graciously stooped to give to us. 
praise you and we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.